is this all a bit unkind on Sebastian Squalacci? When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Slaps, slaps, slaps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. So Welcome back to the Hopes, Dreams and Well Wishes to Your Nearest Kin podcast. A light-hearted look at Arsenal with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend... Bradley Adams. Hello, friend. Hello, Bradley. How are you? Let's do this. I'm good, thank you. I'm really good. Uh, I'm very excited for next Wednesday. Why am I excited for next Wednesday, Alex? We're going to the Emirates, the Emirates, the Emirates, going to the... That's what they sing at the ground, isn't it? We could start some chants, Brad. What do you reckon? Um... Aaron Ramsdale's made an impact on the team and I don't think he should be dropped. Um, He, he made the most uh, zone 14 passes, third most zone 14 passes in the game against Norwich. Do you reckon that catch on? Uh, that, that's yeah, sort of, I think it'd be good. Sort of where we're heading. <laughs> any others? Think of any others that we can... No. You can... Oh, we, need a, we need to create a Tommy Asu chant and, and whack it out for the game and see if it catches on. Yeah, well, uh, well, maybe we could have a banner, see if we can get on Sky Sports. Will it be on Sky? Probably not. <laughs> Probably it's fucking not, mate. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. And you live yeah. 10 minutes from the ground, which you haven't mentioned on the podcast, so maybe we can... <laughs> yeah, pop over for dinner before. I'll have some grub ready. We'll, we'll take a little stroll. Uh, welcome back to the Different Not Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Andrew Holland, thank you for the coffee. Appreciate that, my man. Thanks, Andrew, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, welcome back. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. We've got a new format today, which I'm very, I'm genuinely oh. really, really excited about. So stick around this for that. But so we just want to... Uh, it's good just, that Arsenal was so shit that we've now had to come up with new ideas. Yeah, it's forced us. It's forced us to be creative. It's put us in a box and we've done it. Uh, oh, yes, this is what I wanted to do, Brad. So I saw a tweet. You did. Uh, and listeners, please play along at home because I think this is interesting. Of a post-Invincibles all-time Arsenal eleven, which I think is really a really interesting conversation uh, to have. So I would like to... Agree on a, an Invincibles 11. Uh, uh, Post-Invincibles 11. Also, I want to say, uh, sometimes with these, they're like trying to make a cohesive team. Let's not do that. Look, we're just just the best the best players. We'll oh, do okay. a, No we'll cohesion, do a, just No the... cohesion, just vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, similarly to uh, Unai Emery. We'll go goalkeepers first. Let's start okay. with goalkeepers. Okay. Who would you go for? Uh, I think it's pretty clear I'd go for Leno. Yeah, I, I I think I just don't think we've had a good goalkeeper probably since Lehman, for Christ's sake. So I think Czech, like when he first joins, has a shout because he wasn't bad, but he just the problem was he was so on the decline that it kind of it kind of sullied his reputation a little bit, and he was sort of part. He was sort of the first Chelsea retirement player. So I think yeah, we'll have to mm. go with Leno, probably Leno. Who's your right back? Sanya, like <laughs> yeah, it's Sanya. It is Sanya. Do you want to go Carl Jenkinson? Nah. For the for the for the culture? No. For the okay. memes. For the no. memes. Yeah, Sanya. Uh I'd go Kashelny Vermarlin yeah. at the back. No, I'd go I'd go Kashelny Mertesaka. Vermarlin was good, man. The the longevity the longevity of Murta in that back line and yeah, I think it's it is that pairing. I 
but I think in the future Magalesh might have a have a shout. Um but I think it's gotta be Kashelny Murta for me. I I love Pear. Pear? Pear. Pear. I love Pear. 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 I love Pear. I love Pear. Um Sorry, I love him. Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if you're listening. Um I I love him, but I think there's a bit of me that's like, is it just because he's doing well with the academy that I have like a soft spot for him? If if Mertesacker left no. and we never heard anything about him again, I think I'd think of him as a very good centre-back who had some great games like that Chelsea final. But I think I would stick Vermaelen in just because he was captain. And I think he was really underrated. And he, he was a sort of kept us going through a, through a difficult period. We have to agree. We have to find an agreement. Ooh. Are you, you're not budging, are you? Um... I'll give you Vermaelen. I'll give okay, you Vermaelen. Okay. All right. Okay. So we've got Leno, Sanya, Vermaelen, Koscielny. Left because back. I think it is. I think it's close. I do think it's close. Yeah. Yeah. Left back. Left back. Um, Andre Santos. <laughs> Cliche. I think one or thing teeny. we've got to. Nah. Fuck I it, think we one. With one thing we've got to set out is like how it's it's about their achievements with Arsenal. Like, for example, I think with goalkeeper, we could have said Emi Martinez because he was the one of the goalkeepers of the season. Surely it's season. about the player, though. Surely but, it's about the player. But I think it's about the player and their achievements with Arsenal. Okay. Um, I think Tierney is close to usurping Clichy, but I think there's been a few injury issues that has kept him out of the side at a couple of pivotal points that's meant he's not quite been able to have the impact that I know he can have. And I think yeah. Clichy, before he went to City, was vital for us at points and was very good. So I'm going Clichy. Yeah. Okay, Nacho's got a shout. I'll I'll, I'll go with you on Clichy. Uh, yeah, I think Nacho's got a shout as being Mr. Reliable, but I, if yeah. we're talking literal best 11, I don't think he yeah. does. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, what are we doing? Are we doing 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1? done. we have played mostly 4-2-3-1 over this over this period. So let's yeah, do 4-2-3-1. Let's, let's do 4 2 3 one. Ramsey and Cazorla. Come on. Double pivot. No uh, one's, no one's Alex, disagreeing. Alex, Alex Song does have a shout. No I think he's a close... Alex Song. He you plays one need to pass go and re- to Henri. You need... One no, pass. you need to go and have a look at his statistics for... Oh God, what season was it? It was a season with RVP up front just before he went to Barcelona. It was fucking sensational. Had like a... a really good amount of assists um and i just remember him being like so pivotal i'm not in that, literally in that pivotal role. i think in the pivot. no i think he's third and i think it is ramsey and Kazola. Okay. if if i was trying to make a team that had some cohesion i think it'd be Kazola and song but i think okay. because we're fucking that off we're going Kazola ramsey okay. i agree okay. with that i just want to put him as, as a close third okay okay all right boss uh so the front three behind the striker Okay. Alexis has got to be in there. Yes. Oh, I actually, I, we've got to go back to the pivot. I've got to argue with you. Go on. I think it's got to be Sesk over Ramsey. <sighs> okay. Because I think yeah. you have to have yeah. Ozil in the ten. He's also less of a rat because he did he did want to come back to Arsenal, so I don't I don't mind that. Yeah. I think I, okay. you do have Sesk to go and... Sesk in. So yeah. it's Cazorla and Sesk. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Oh, Ram- right. Ramsey first first name on the on the on the subs bench. That's a bit. Yeah, harsh that's sore yeah, for okay. me because I I do love Ramsey. I love Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, okay. For, uh, that that front three behind the striker, Sanchez. Ozil Sanchez and on the left. Yeah. Sanchez. Agreed. Without a doubt. Behind the striker, Özil. Yep. Yep. All three. Saka and Saka on the right. Okay. Yeah, so, I think it's between Saka and Hleb. 
Um, but I think you have to look at the impact that a 19-year-old Bakayo Saka's had on this team and dragged us through to see how like sensational he truly has been for us. So I, I just, and it might be the uh, the kind of, oh God, what's the phrase when you're... Recency bias. Yeah, recency bias, that's it. I think it's a bit recency biasy because I think Hleb was also very good recency for us. But I think you've got to really look at what Saka's done for this team. So yeah, I think the front three of the behind the striker behind has got to be Sanchez, Ozil, Saka. Yep, enjoy him before he moves to City. Uh, up front, a boomerang. I want to give Eduardo a shout, and I think this is where we're going to have an argument. So I'm just going to get Eduardo's statistics up. Why Eduardo? So I looked that up, right? There's a guy called Matthew... The guy Matthew Taylor was that niche information there. He's the guy who broke Eduardo's leg for Birmingham. Um, he got like three goals for Arsenal that season before his leg break. Eduardo was a great player. He had more to his game than goals. But I don't... I think there was a bit of a kind of legend around him because of that leg break. Like as if he'd... Am I right with three? This is... I, I Look, he was... He had four goals and six assists in that season. And I think one of the reasons that I I have a shout for him is purely because I think that if he is fit, Arsenal win the league that year. Because Yeah, but that's have, that's not a reason. And I, to, and this, but this is what I mean. Player, does yeah. It? No, it's it's a purely emotional thing and it is it's the same that you have conversation that you would have about Abu Dhabi or even Jack Wilshire at points when you say, oh, if they hadn't had these injuries or hadn't had these moments, imagine yeah. the career that they'd had. So okay. I think it's more of an emotional rather than a logical thing. So I'm going to, I just wanted to give him a mention, but I will concede that Aubameyang is definitely okay. the better player. But Yes. Um, and he goes in over, there was another guy, wasn't there? There was a, there was a Dutch guy who played for us for a bit, but I can't remember his name. No. Ve- no, Ro- Roman, Rome, Roman, Van Roman, Van moved to Manchester Mist- for more money. That was his name. That was his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was his name. Well, he was terrible. So, also, are we being a bit harsh on Theo Walcott? That's my question. <sighs> on that right hand side for Saka, guy got a hundred goals for Arsenal. I mean, he was around for a long time. He never put up great stats, but also Saka doesn't actually put up great stats. He just con- contributes a lot more, in my opinion, to the game. Yeah. Um, than, I think if Walcott Theo Walcott's does. around nowadays and having his career nowadays with how in-depth football analysis is and how much better we are at looking at football and, and the kind of ins and outs of what actually adds to the game, yeah. he probably is famed a bit more for the career he did have. Um. I, and again, I think I think a lot of this is a feeling thing. I think with yeah. Walcott, yeah, I always feel that there there could have and there should have been more. Yeah, and I think I that's why he's not in the team. I remember when he was when he was like seventeen, eighteen. He was like next Messi. Do you know what I mean? Like he it was it was like this kid is is special, special, special. Yeah, like, this kid is going to yeah, like, be the best player like in the world. The like, hype around Mbappe, Holland kind of levels about about Walcott. Yeah. It just never it's never happened. Okay, so we've got let, what's the team then? So the team is Leno in goal, yeah. Sanya at right back, right. Per and Vermalen at centre backs. No, Kishali and Vermalen. Kishali Vermalen. Oh yeah, Kishali and Vermalen. Sorry, at centre backs. Klichy at left back. Okay. Kazola and Sesk in the pivot. Yeah. Sanchez, Özil, Saka as the three, and then Aubameyang up front. Okay. Okay. Is this all a bit unkind on Sebastian Squalatri? Is it just a little? It's a little bit unkind. And here's the thing: the first three subs are 
Walcott, Ramsey, Ramsey, and Per and Santos. Okay. <laughs> the fact that he well, wore the number I think that's where it came from for you the fact that he wore the number 11 shirt I think that's where your obsession with numbers probably started it probably was me at what like 13 being like he's Andre Santos he's wearing number 11 he shouldn't be wearing that uh, tweet us your post invincibles 11 we'd love to hear them uh, or send them to the different knock at gmail.com uh, right Brad I'm very excited for this Hot Takes. Welcome to Hot Takes. This is the show where you tell us where to go. You know? Just a reminder, there is no such thing as subjectivity. We must all subscribe to one viewpoint, and if you don't, you're stupid, and more importantly, wrong. So this show, what it is, we've decided to get, and we will do it every time we do this show, we will get a new member of the audience uh, to come in and give us five of their hottest takes. So we want statements ranging about Arsenal. We want statements about any kind of aspects of the club, but your five hottest takes, we're going to hear them. We're going to blind react. I have absolutely no idea. Brad has absolutely no idea what this person has said. And for the first week, we had to get him in. We had to get get the legend himself. The legend himself. The OG listener to this podcast, Nathan Baroda, has sent us in. That's it. The real... The real Nathan Baroda has sent us in his five hottest takes. So, Blad uh, and I, Brad and I, uh, Jason and I are going to blind react to these. We genuinely have never heard them. So, take him away, Nathan. Statement number one, Nicolas Pepe should play on the left because that will help us stretch play. That's why he's been successful in the past. And him cutting his eye is too predictable. Okay. Nicolas Pepe should play on the left to help us stretch play. Cutting inside is too predictable. You know, Nathan's a counsellor for, for... I hope he doesn't mind us... He did put this on Twitter, so I, I'm assuming he doesn't mind us putting it on the podcast. He, he sp- spoke at Berry Council very well. Very well. So he's a he's a top, top man as well. Um, okay. I don't think this is that much of a hot take. I think this is actually a decent idea. Okay. I think it depends on how we want to set up. Hmm. So I think there's an identity forming in this team. There's a, there's a clear identity. I don't think there's any coincidence that Arteta has bought lots of foundation players, party, Lokonga, or players behind the ball, players who do not receive the ball, they play the ball forward, and players who can progress. So we bought in mm. Ben White, Tomiyasu, party, Lokonga, Gabriel, bringing in Tavares to play that, uh, that position uh, as a sort of analogue to Tierney. I think there's a very clear foundation being formed for this team and Ramsdale as well. The question is, what does he want to do in attack? And what should we be doing in attack? Because I don't think that's as clear. We haven't signed, we've signed, what, one attacking player in Willian? Um, and I don't think, apart from Saka and Smith Rowe, we, oh, I suppose, I suppose yeah, that's Erdegaard. really strange. I suppose Erdegaard. Erdegaard, oh, yeah. But in terms of that front, uh, sort of, I guess, front position or striker, or maybe even on just on the wings, we've only extended players. Uh, we haven't signed anyone. So, and that's only in uh, Saka and Martinelli. So I think it's a really interesting one to see what the attacking identity of this team is. And I think there's a lot of questions about that. I think, so looking at kind of most teams tend to develop down the left or tend to sort of have a bit of a left-sided bias when they, when they, when they attack. 
and we are no different. I think that's happened before with Arsenal. You look at you know the likes of Laurent and and uh, and Cole. Cole being often the more advanced one. I think there tends to be a kind of lopsidedness. I personally, if I'm coaching the team, I don't really like that. But that's probably more to do with my OCD and symmetry of, of uh, numbers, etc. Et I also have a theory as to why that is. We'll come back to that. I think if we're playing, which we 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 are, with that left-sided lop- lopsidedness. Tierney, we've doubled down with that with Tavares. I don't think it makes much sense for Pepe to play on the left for a number of reasons. Ooh, ooh. For a number of reasons. Because he, I don't think, combines very well. His first touch isn't very good. He's not great in tight spaces. He needs grass in front of him. And when you've got an extra man up there, basically, if you, you've got Tierney, what you want is players who can come short to feet, close those distances, and move the ball quickly, essentially, in transition. I don't think Pepe is that guy. So while I understand the stretching thing, I think he's better served on the right-hand side. Overall, I don't think he fits this team. And there's another conversation to be had around the type of player that we want. And Arteta didn't sign him, but he's what he's got. I think he's best served on that right-hand side where he's got a bit of grass, he's got a bit more space, Tommy Asu, hopefully, and, and Ben White being able to serve him and probably sit a little bit further back. I think also there's some passing angles being opened up with Sambi and, and Party and, and White as well for Pepe to uh, to run on to, which is starting to develop. And in terms of stretching teams, I think having that, I think I would love someone who has a right foot to be able to do that. But I think that's something we need to slightly sacrifice and something that probably is going to hurt us for the structure of the team. Because I think Pepe on that left-hand side doesn't quite work. Go ahead. Okay. I think uh, it it could work if you push him forward to be that second goal threat option and shoot across goal. Um, we as like a second striker or as a striker? No, as in well, we you need two active attackers in that front four, as in two players whose job it is to mainly try and push in and find the net. In my opinion, because if one then it's so easy to mark you out of a game. You see it with most good teams in the sense that Liverpool, you've got Mane and Salah. Uh, United, you've got Fernandes and Ronaldo with kind of Sancho Rashford and, and Sancho. Gre- Greenwood. So, they've, got so also, they've got so many. I think you need at least two. And I think putting him on the left, I think if we, no matter which side he plays on, he has to be put closer to the goal. I don't really agree with the statement that he doesn't fit this team. I think the way that we using him doesn't fit him within this team. If we were to play how, him how would you further him forward... To, to his strengths? I would sit would him much, much further forward. His his strengths are sitting around the edge of the box and inside the box, taking... He's a bit like a Bamiyang, taking a couple of touches, dribbling a little, a little bit, not a lot, not progressing up and taking a shot. So you want him in an opportunity where you can give him an, a high value opportunity, a cutback or something like that. Yeah. He's decently creative around the box as well. So for me, I think if you put him on the left and put Saka on the right and put Party on the left. Well, it depends where you put Party. Party's such a good ball pro- progressor and so good at winning the ball high up the pitch. If you put Party on the same side as Pepe and ask him to do the progression of that side, and then ask Tommy Asu to to do the defensive cover, you have then the ability to unlock a second threat option. And I think at the moment we're using him more in the vein of a Saka whose strengths are more ball progression, tight spaces, 
triangles rather than the the finishing touch on a move. And I think it all depends where the rest of the team is as to where I think Pepe's best position is. I, I think it could easily work on the left. It just depends who he's around because I think he can come short and play little passes because he's not technically horrendous, but it's just more about where do you want him? And I think the reason that he fits better on the right is because you do get crosses in from the left a lot of the time with Tierney, him being our best deliverer. So having that left foot coming across that ball, if it can be met, is probably where he's best suited. So if you had, say, Saka and Tierney on the left whipping the balls in with Pepe and Aubameyang attacking them, I think that's good. I think the problem with Pepe is more about how we're using Pepe rather than where he is on the pitch. I just think that when we used him on the left last season, we used him as a more direct goal threat. And that's why he looked better last season, because he was able to stretch teams in yeah. that final third, that final little... Okay. I hear that. I hear that. And, and, I, and I agree with large portions of what you're saying. I do take an issue, though, with the, with the part about it depends what other people are doing. Because we've set up with Tierney as our fifth attacker. That's what's happening, right? So if we've got Tierney, we're, we're going to play we're going to play party. We're going to play Odegaard. Those players are going to play. We're also very, very likely to play Aubameyang. When you have those those players and you're making those combinations, well, I think there's a personnel issue and, and, a, and, a, and a system issue, right? You've got a lot of players who need to fit into this team. And I think for what we need on that right-hand side, we need someone, in my opinion, who can who can basically break on the outside and get and do sort of the job that Tierney does on that left-hand side to provide us a bit of balance. I don't think Pepe does that. I don't, I don't think he can do that. We haven't bought a, 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 a right-sided um, fullback who is going to bomb on particularly, which tells me, A, what we're going to do, but B, what we can do. And I think having Tomiyasu as, as someone who's not going to be overlapping with Pepe means that he becomes not redundant, but a lot of his spaces get retracted. I think a lot of his combinations get, and I think he can get isolated. I think he, So I, I do agree, you know, it's kind of in terms of, I think we're not using him very well, but I'm also not sure there's an option with the personnel that we have around him. Like I, I can't, I can pick you out, right? With, uh, with uh, say Tierney, I can see combinations with Saka. I can see combinations with, you know, eventually, hopefully a number nine who can, who can play one twos and all that sort of stuff. I can see Tierney overlapping the left centre mid and I can see Tierney overlapping um, with Aubameyang on that left-hand side, drifting out. I can see Saka coming out to that side, combining nicely. I can see Smith Rowe doing that. With Pepe on that other hand side, I don't see that happening with Tomiyasu. I don't see the passing lanes being opened up particularly other than long chipped balls from White and stuff. So I don't, and, and his his skill set is with grass in front of him and taking those shots. So I agree with you that I think he should be someone who's much closer to the goal, which is why I've I've often said, should he be our centre forward? Because, or, or maybe a sort of second striker type situation, getting him a bit a bit more central and someone who can just basically be our shot taker. I don't see how on that wide right role he can be what we need him to do because I think he he would need to overlap. He would need to combine, which he's not strong at. And he is, as Nathan says, a bit predictable coming inside. So I just don't see... I don't see when everyone's in who we want, who we bought, Tomiyasu, we've extended Tierney, we've we've bought Erdegaard, we've we've committed to Aubameyang, we've committed to all these players. And add in the fact that Saka is is probably our best player on that right-hand side, in my opinion. 
I don't see a place for Pepe. But Saka and doesn't and, do and, the and, thing and, that you're talking about. As but in he does a different getting thing. down into that. But yeah, no, but as he, in, can, he can progress the ball. No, I get what you're saying. But we also have a lot of ball progressors, a lot of people that can pick up the ball and run with it. Yeah, and that's the identity of this you know, team. But that's not what Pepe course, does. But, no, of course not. And you can't, there is no, one thing that we have seen is having one goal threat hurts us. We said it all of last season, right? We need a second goal threat in this team, whether it's the person on the left wing or the person on the right wing. With the squad that we currently have, if you look at the players we currently have, Pepe is probably that is the only option as a second kind of direct goal threat attacker. You don't look at Smith Rowe and think he's getting a lot of goals this season. You don't think of Erdegaard as the same. I I, I, I think you're right. And that's why maybe if we'd bought somebody who was right footed in that central role, who could hit the byline and whip some balls in, that would be better. You can dovetail, but and, I just don't think it works. Yeah. And maybe in future, if we do decide to sell Pepe and move on, we should look for either sticking Saka on the left-hand side and then getting a right uh, or, sti- or stick, picking a wing to keep Saka on permanently and then either buying a left winger or a right winger to fit what we want moving forward. I just think if, we, if we're talking about currently this team and where yeah. we're, what we're going to do at the moment, I yeah. think Pepe is the best option for what we have. We need to find a way to use him. One, so if he has a good season, we can sell him for more money. And two, because he is the second best goal threat in our team. So while he won't be kind of hitting the byline and whipping balls in, maybe that's perfectly why he fits up on that left channel. So he can be that second direct goal threat and you're not asked because then you've got Tierney whipping the balls in from the right. You could have Saka and Erdegaard and uh, whoever the right centre mid is, if it's party combining as a triangle there and you can have Aubameyang and Pepe kind of pushing into a two and being a second goal threat. I think it is massively dependent whether we're having the same conversation next season. I just think for now, Pepe needs to be pushed further up the pitch, whether that's on the right or on the left. Okay. Probably on the left would be better because then we could have somebody whipping balls in on the right. But like you say, we've bought a, a right back who he is going to cover for Ben White pushing forward a bit and for our right-sided uh, midfielder being able to have to kind of track back less or pick up things less. So I don't think the question is whether Pepe is the perfect option moving forward. I think it's what do we do with Pepe in in the current? Yeah. And I think sticking him out on that left is probably the best thing to do. Okay. I don't agree. I think I think it's a I think it's a combination. I think it's a situation where either Pepe will have to adapt to what we're doing or we will have to adapt to what Pepe does. And knowing what Arteta is, I, I think there is a middle I, ground. I can't. Okay. Okay. I do. I, I just can't I think see that it there happening. is a middle ground where you literally, I, know, I, can't, I can't either because I think Arteta is unfortunately a very stubborn man. But I think that there is a world where if you just allow Pepe to sit 15 yards further forward on the pitch, whether that be on the right or the left hand side, that will open up his game a bit more and he will be more effective. Let's get the second hot take. Let's do it. Statement two against all teams in the top four, Arsenal should play with a back five to give us solidity and defensive numbers. It's worked in the past again. Um, things like Stanford Bridge last year, Old Trafford the time before that. So we should be very rigid in that and not try and go overboard by playing a back four. Against all teams in the top four, we should play a back five. No. Mm, not for me. 
I think go on. Some of them, yes. Some of them, no. I think it's it's massively dependent on the system. Uh, like matching Chelsea up with a five was the better idea. I don't think doing the same with City would work as well because what you do with a five is you open up slightly more pockets of space on their wings. So and and you're you're opening up those channels a bit more, kind of in between the centre backs. And most of City's talent is out wide. You know, they don't have a designated striker. What they do in Jesus, they just don't play him. So the best move for City, I think, would be playing a strong back four. But for Chelsea, it'd be playing a back five. For United, I probably think playing a back... I think playing a back five with United would be good because then you can overload the midfield. And that's where they're really poor, is in that the centre of the park. You think if they're playing Fred and McTominay... And you've got Party, Sambi, and then Maitland Niles as the right wing back, and Tierney as the left wing back. That's a lot of quality to be able to, and maybe Erdegaard as the right winger being able to drop into that pocket. You've got a lot of space to pass around them. I, I just think it, it does depend on the, the other team systematically as to what we should do. And I don't think it is as carbon because unless you're saying five at the back in the sense of we literally stick five people as a back line and we we only counter yeah because then you're like i mean fair enough but that's not the way to beat city because city are the best team at opening a deep block yeah no i i I completely agree though city will find a way man you don't need to you don't need to give them a second invitation yeah i I think it's a horses for courses situation someone laughed at me Mm -hmm. for saying horses for courses the other day i was fuming you said embarrassment. It's a, said it, yeah, he said it's a stupid phrase, but it, no, it, I it's think a good phrase. It's a horse. I like it. It's a thank you, Brad. I enjoy it. Validation. Yes, yes. I think. I think it's. Uh, I, I think it, we've got to look at. You're right. You know, I, I don't have much to add. I just have to say, I think. I think any kind of this is how we will play, until we have incredible specificity in every single position, developed players. We have to be the team that that adapts. And I, I actually think Arteta has the skill to identify, um, and he's got it wrong, but he's also got it right in in in, in many cases, uh, to identify what's going on with the opposition, how we how we come up against that. I agree. I think, you know, and we and we've seen Chelsea when we match them up, that works. City, I think <laughs> I'm not gonna try and defend the five nil, but if you if you just watch the first ten minutes, the system was actually working until the defensive errors and the individual errors started coming in. So I think there's a there's a yeah, it's a horses of courses situation. Um and I don't think any yet, I don't think this team is ready in its development phase to stick to one thing and one way of playing because I think we I don't we think a team get... does that anymore. No, I, I think the level, maybe I'm talking about the level of tweaking. I think there's a level of, there's a there's a, a scope or a scale of tweaking that teams do. And I think a team like Arsenal, maybe our scope and our scale has to be a bit bigger. Um, has to be a bit more adaptive. Has to be a bit more. I'd agree with that. A bit yeah. more reflexive. Whereas a team like City can have basic principles of play, what they do, and slightly tinker that for every system. And you see it. And it's but it's mainly with personnel. Actually, in those in those teams, you see those teams rotating, rotating, rotating. Mm. Um, I think I think our our system has to change a bit more um, than than personnel. Mm. 
geez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. Should we get that third hot spicy take? Let's do it. Statement three, controversial. Oh. Very controversial. Oh. Uh, Arsenal should play Patino instead of Xhaka. Xhaka oh. is done. <laughs> we know what his level is. been excellent so far he's got a much higher ceiling let's give him a go let's give him the minutes and, and try it obviously we're quite conservative in the way we approach those sort of things so we won't do it but we should okay i think nathan went underwater there but that was basically patino should play over Xhaka. we know Xhaka, we know what Xhaka can do get him off and nathan doesn't think we will do it but patino Come on, Brad. It's an opportunity to bash Xhaka. You should be all over this. All over it. Patino's not ready. Uh, no. He's not ready. He's not. And I think it's it's the same argument that you... I think Patino should play a couple of times this season in Premier League games over Xhaka. I think Xhaka from now on should be the third choice central midfielder. I think the part... Because if we'd signed another central midfielder... It would have been, you know, Xhaka would have been out anyway. But I think Sambi's come in and done a spectacular job now and should be that second choice until we sign a more lights out. Like, because again, Sambi's young. He's got to grow into that role. Um, I don't, I don't disagree with the idea. I just don't think we have the personnel overall to do that. If we're going to use... I think we should use Patino as probably a, a, a fourth or fifth choice central midfielder um, and Xhaka as a third choice. I can understand why. And I understand the logic, you know. Um, we do know Xhaka's level. But the issue with this is we don't know Patino's current level. He's absolutely got the potential. We don't know his current level. And that's a big, big thing. And a big, big ask to ask an 18-year-old to go into Premier League games. 17. 17, when you don't even know his current level. You know, and we already have a very young and inexperienced squad. The thing when Wilshire broke through and was already playing, you know, a lot of Premier League minutes by um, Patino's age, is that you look at the players he had around them, they were all experienced professionals. There were world-class players at points. Patino doesn't have the luxury of doing that. I think he should definitely get minutes and probably be our third choice, even fourth choice central midfielder. Um, but I just don't think we should be starting him or even using him as a regular, regular option. It should be kind of slowly feeding him in. This is boring, Brad. I keep agreeing with you. You're wrong. Get Amari Hutchinson in. Get in Arthur Okonkwo. Um, yeah, no, I, I, mate, I, I, I do agree with what you say. I think, I think the point you make about who he's got around him is a really, really astute one. I think we've got to be careful. L- look, Patino 
from from the clips you see on social media, from all the hype, sure. But it's a we know, and maybe, 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 maybe this kid is is the one, and he very may very well be. But the step up from under twenty threes, under eighteens football to Premier League men's football, top of the top of the top of the top of the, you know, and not just top of the, you know, the the country, top of the world in terms of the league, you know how how good this league is, you know. Look around at those midfields. Look who he'd be up against. You don't want to ruin a kid's confidence. And I think you're right about, you know, the people around him. Um, in terms of Xhaka, I, I, I also agree that, you know, he can get some minutes, but, you know, let's do that when we've won, when we're 2-0 up against Newcastle, when we're 3-0 up against Burnley, hopefully. Let's let's do it that way um, and give him, give him minutes that way because, you know, clearly he's got talent. I think physically someone like Miguel Aziz looks more ready than, than a Patino. Um, I think physically he's got a way to develop. The, with with Xhaka, I, I have. Or does he? You know, we've we've seen. I think there's a lot of bias. We look at Kozola, very slight man, yet is one of the most underrated central midfielders in Premier League history. For me, you know, I think it depends on the type of player you're expecting him to be and who you're partnering partnering him with. Yes, but I think if you look at who we would be partnering him with in this central midfield, whether it's Lukonga or Party, neither of them are the lights out defensive midfielder. Purely all action only doing defensive work that would be needed to accompany a young 17-year-old who is going to focus more on, I mean, it's the wrong phrase, but playing the game, passing, attacking, rather than picking up players. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Look, mate, Patino's skills, from what I've seen, are are evading a press and are controlling a game and dictating tempo from deep and picking up off the back back too. That, that he's not going to be rushing into physical duels. That's not not really what I mean. I think that gets confused. Oh, okay. What what I mean is, Cor- I'm also going to caveat this with I've seen absolutely nothing of Patino, so yep. everything I say is probably just stuff that I'm assuming. <laughs> mate, this is that's all it is, mate. It's all it's all assumptions. It's all conjecture. Whoop. The look. He he is yeah. He, he, that's sort of not his game, and that's not his bag. From what I again, from what I've seen. But it's it's stuff like corners. It's stuff like the occasion. It's stuff like the 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 what if he loses the ball on the halfway line? And you know, it's making these types of mistakes. It's the it's not only the 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 physical development. It's the mental development. And mm. and he, you know, as as much as you can be that guy who can evade a press and you know dictate from deep, you're going to be in some physical duels. And as much as that's not his game, it's going to happen. It's the Premier League. It's a, it's a it's a physical league. On Jacker, I, I said an opinion recently on on the podcast around um about you know well it's not really necessarily an opinion. It's just more of a a statement really. Jack is the sort of player who gets in the team, and doesn't leave it. He's a bit of a diesel engine. He just needs to keep going, keep going, play week in, week out, week in, week out. And he's best when he does that. But I'm like, fuck that. If you aren't ready as the third central midfielder to pick up from whenever Sambi, because Sambi and Party, in my opinion, are a better technical pairing and a better pairing from what I've seen. And there's not loads of data, but a better technical pair. I don't even think they've played together, but I would like to see them play together. And I think there'll be a better pairing than Xhaka and Party. I think they have. For what we want to do, especially. For what we want to do. So the fact that 
oh, but once you put Jack on the team, he's sort of got. I don't like fuck that. Like I think it's, it's, it's also it's about what him. you want to do with Jack moving forward. It's, it's up. Sorry. It's up to him to be ready for those games. It's up to him to be mentally prepared to come in whenever he needs to come in. It's up to Jacker to be secure in his abilities. It's a twenty-nine-year-old professional. He shouldn't need a run-up of games. Do you know what I mean? It, that that is that is on him. And I think you know we've we've lived through so many years of of those kind of no we have we've lived through so many years of Jacker we've lived that we've, through it Alex we've absolutely lived through it off to play from Ecuador um, <laughs> we've lived through that for so long that I think there's a wider conversation that we don't have time for now around like what we accept as Arsenal fans and we have to consider what is acceptable and I've said this before like post City I think it was when we say good enough what do we mean good enough for mid-table mm. good enough for Arsenal good enough for City good enough for Real Madrid good enough for Berry FC sorry Nathan what is it what is it good enough for? And if Xhaka is not prepared to do that, then that's not the level we want. Like, so he has no. to, you know, and, and ultimately that's a that's a personal preference. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to play him. But if the reason we're playing him is because, well, once he's in the team, he's kind of best when you just give him a run of games. F- fuck that. Fuck that. I also think with Xhaka, it depends what you want to do with him moving forward. Like, for example, if we wanted to keep Xhaka next season, which we might do, but it'd be fucking stupid. Um and move forward with him and party, then I understand playing him all of next season. But it seems like that we didn't sell him this summer just because we didn't get the right offer for him. And we're hoping that that offer comes in next year. So no, I think you, you're absolutely, I think it's the same as the Leno Ramsdale situation. We have more to gain as a club by giving the minutes to Sambi and Ramsdale than we do to gain financially if we were to play these guys every minute of the Premier League season. If we played Xhaka and Rams and Leno every minute for the next season and then sold them, we'll maybe get five million pounds each more than we would do. If we stick with Sambi and stick with Ramsdale, we increase the ability and the experience and the value of those two assets way more than that, Mark. Because they've still got potential. Whereas we know what Xhaka is. We know what Leno is. So I think it's the same situation now where it's it's got to be Sambi and Party because that will gain us more, even if we lose a couple of points along the road, moving forward and next season than, you know, playing a 29-year-old Xhaka who already wants to yep. leave and is yep. still buddy-buddy with Mourinho. Yeah, and also we only, people talk about Xhaka's contract extension. It was only by one year. And if we if it was clear we weren't going to sell him, then that's another year, and hopefully we can get some value for him. Shall we hear take number four? I think maybe we should. That is that is the format. So we're going that's to that's the way it goes. Is it? Maybe it isn't. Maybe we could do an absurdist, surrealist podcast where we just let's do number five. Don't first. speak. Statement number four. Um, Tierney's role going forward is too much of an inhibitor to what we're trying to do. Um, too predictable in terms of crossing, but it limits our options for Pepe, Aubameyang, Saka and others. And that we should focus on him in the defensive half of the pitch because he's very good at that. Um, potentially he's a third centre-back type that, that James and Tommy Asa do, do that role. Uh, or potentially coming into midfield where he'd be very good. Ooh, Tierney coming into midfield. So essentially Tierney, we should try and restrict that attacking part of his game because he thinks it inhibits... Are attacking players. I think, again, this is a conversation that maybe that's an idea for when we're signing certain other players. 
and when we're moving forward. Like, yeah. for example, if we've got Saka out on the left and we've got a right-footed right winger who not only can be a goal threat, but can also r- cross the ball really well from that right side, I don't think you need Tierney pushing on forward so much. So he could slot into the midfield three and Tommy Asu could just purely be that third centre-back. And it's almost like you've got the three, the three, and then the the five. Five? Yeah. Three, yeah. three, five. No. no, three, three, and then the four. Four, yeah. <laughs> um, fuck, fucking hell. Um, <laughs> I, I, but I think at the moment, if you look at the skill sets that we have around that front four, front five, none of their skill sets are crossing. So you do cut off an entire avenue. But I think if you're looking at next season, depending on who we sign, that's really not the worst idea. Putting Tierney in the... Or maybe what you do is you put Tierney in the back three, you push Ben White up into that midfield three, and you have Tierney, Gabriel, Tomiyasu be the centre-backs, Ben White, Party, Lakonga be the, the midfield three, and then have the four of Abamyang, Saka, Erdegaard, and whoever we've signed to do that right-hand side be that front four. I don't think that's the worst idea in the world. I, I do think it's all massively dependent on who we sign. I don't think it works this season, though, because we would lack somebody to whip a ball in. I don't... What is this? This is becoming the We Agree podcast. The whole brand is that we're, we're dif- we have different opinions, Brad. I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking a lot of sense. What's going on? Um, yeah, no, I... I, I... <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good performance today, Brad. Uh, yeah, listen, um, I... I, yeah, I, I I can't really add anything to that. I, th- I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. The one thing I would say is, you know, I think there's development for us in those wing spots um, in terms of personnel um, and also in terms of how how we, how that attacking, you know, what I was talking about in the first answer, how that attacking formation develops. And I think Arteta, if I could choose, I would have done it this way because I would have built the form- formation, uh, built the foundation from the back. Um, I would have gone centre backs, you know, building from the goalkeeper, getting that pivot sorted, and then move forward. If that was my sort of my priorities, I think we're also strongest in our attacking attacking uh, field, so that makes sense to me as a, as a strategy. I'm very interested to see how it goes, and if we have a to borrow Bradley's, Bradley's phrase, lights out left winger, that's going to change Tierney's dynamic. I don't love the idea of him tucking into midfield. To be honest, I don't know whether he's got it's. Uh, it's not the same, but it's uh, watch Trent play for uh, England in the midfield. The angles are a bit off, and he also just he tends to drift out to that that right hand side. It's also anyway. because you're when you're used to having. It's the same as kind of goalkeepers in the sense that everyone says, "Oh, Edison could step up and be that ball playing centre back," or Edison could walk into the midfield. Absolutely not. Edison is good at what he does because he can see the whole game in front of him. It's the same with Trent. So he's perfect at right back because he has the the, the technical assurity of a lot of good creative midfielders, but he can see the, the whole of the game in yeah. front of him. It's, but mm. it is that same thing with Tierney sticking him at that left centre back, Gabriel in the middle, and then. Tommy Asso on the right and then pushing Ben White up into that midfield kind of triumvirate next season, depending on who we sign, yeah. might be a, a good way forward, you know, because I think that... Certainly in possession. I mean, if it doesn't have to be on the team sheet. Yeah, but, in yeah. possession. Because I do think Tierney's a very good defender. I, I Again, the some of these things don't work in practice now for me. Yeah. But I do see a version where like I'm next season, I'm like, do you know what? If we had Saka out on the left and then... Gnabry maybe on the right 
Just because of that tweet. Because <laughs> just because of that of guy that who said one thing about Nabry. And- yeah, because I fucking love him. Mainly because he absolutely spanked Spurs. Um, I, I, do, I just think that there's there's a few things that, that could work next season, but it depends who we sign. It really depends who we sign. I have a feeling this is going to be pretty spicy. It's the last one, Brad. Let's hear hot take number five. Statement number five, the most controversial of all. Raul Sané's time at Arsenal isn't covered with enough nuance and he did a number of good things oh. and put our club in oh. a decent position. Obviously, he should have had more constraints on his power as the 2018 restructure envisaged, but we are lacking someone like Raul as a deal-maker, fixer, that type, and we suffered as a result in the summer. Oh, Raul Sané, he was time, time at Arsenal was not covered in enough glory uh, and he left us in a decent position. He joined in February 2018. Can I? And he left 2020? 2020? Yeah, there's a great video on The Athletic, which I say all the time, of the story of AC Milan, what they've done and what the, how they've basically got back to where they are. And there's a lot of sort of parallels with Arsenal, actually. Uh, even Ivan Gazidis being there. Getting Raul Sanyehi is like buying a DVD player. It's it's kind of it's kind of defunct. That contacts led, agent based, uh, sort of I don't want to say the word wheeler dealer, but negotiator role, I don't think is working in the modern game. I don't think is appropriate for modern football. There's a sort of sense of of me going. Look around at all the clubs who are doing smart business, who are moving themselves higher up the pit, uh, higher up the t- uh, t- league tables, who are getting themselves into European competition, who are who are getting stars and selling them on. What are they all doing? They're smart, data-driven, clever recruitment style clubs. They're not clubs, uh, or you look at the Red Bull model, or, or you know you can look at each club. But basically, there's one thing tying the clubs that are doing well forward uh, uh well together they are moving forward with a data-driven approach and Raul Sanyehi I don't know this is all conjecture obviously but there is a sense of that I get and a sense from outside and all of the sort of uh, accounts of what the guy did that he was a, a contacts-based kind of guy which may have worked in the 90s may have worked in the 2000s may have even worked in the 2010s but it's not going to work in the 2020s it's not that's not how modern football works it's like getting a DVD player. It's like, it's just outdated. And, you know, there's a, and I, I don't agree, Nathan, that we, you said um, uh, something about, you know, we, we, we've uh, lost out in the summer negotiations wise. I think we actually did some good negotiations to some degree. And also we now have Richard Garlick to sort of play that role who has those relationships, but isn't doing it in a kind of, um, for a purpose. He's just a good negotiator and has those relationships withstanding already from the Premier League. I think we need to be looking at, Probably like Edu is doing, smaller teams, data driven, uh, looking at a combination of you know video scouting, in person scouting, data stuff, and being smart and and acting like the big clubs do on the pitch and off the pitch. What do big clubs do? They don't allow players like Granite Jacker to go. Well, we kind of it's sort of fine if we have him in because once he's in, oh, that's sort of how he plays. No, that's not what the big clubs do. So what do they do? You would not be in the team. And off the pitch, what are they doing? Look at the likes of City. Look at the likes of Chelsea. Look at Red Bull Salzburg. Look at Red Bull Leipzig. Look at uh, AC Milan. They're going for a data-driven 
approach, and that's not what Raul Sanyahi was. And yeah, that's that's my that's my opinion on it. Uh, I think he made some good deals, but like I think again, you're right. There's if you look at the players that he brought in and some of the deep things that he let go. I think it also depends on you've got to understand as well. You know, managers and like we let Ramsey go for free and withdrew a contract offer off the table because Emery didn't want him anymore, which was fucking stupid. Um, but, you know, sign players like Gabriel Martinelli, uh, Kieran Tierney, William Saliba under his reign. And whilst Saliba, the transfer hasn't quite worked out yet, still has a lot of potential still time, Brad. to be moving forward. Your son. Uh, Nicola Pepe as well, you know, hasn't hit the ground running yet, really. And it is coming to kind of the end where you're with him because of his age where you're going, well, it's kind of, it is shit or get off the pot. But there, I mean, there are, there are some good deals in here. There really are. But I think that we, there was, there was some good negotiation this summer. There was also some bad negotiation this, this summer, like Ben White and kind of in the sense of, we were quoted 50 mil. We told them that he was our number one target and we would do whatever it took. And then we waited six weeks to pay the 50 mil. So there's a few things where I go, okay, well, maybe that would have just happened a little quicker, but yeah. I don't think we miss him. I really don't. I think one person we might miss is fucking Sven Mislintat because his his talent ID was pretty good at points. Yeah, but we've we've spoken about this today, actually, haven't we? About talent ID. I think Arteta and Edu, like I would say, recruitment wise, they're at a seven or eight out of ten for me. You know, at this moment in time, with a lot of things yet to run, with a lot of things to, to look at. If I look at the players they brought in, aside from Willian, who is a free transfer and has gone, aside from Runison, who was uh, you know one million or something and has has gone or is or is out the door, I think with an option, um, and Cedric. He's not playing and he was free. I, I, I still don't think that was good. But he's like, not free because there's, well, there's cost. There's, 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 as in, he was a free transfer, but the, the contract costs. I don't think Mari's as bad as everyone says. Those are the those are the four that I would say are probably the, the, the suspects. Mari's on, yeah. It's that three and a half. But the rest of those, I think pretty much all their recruitment, I really back, I really rate. And, you know, Rausen Yehi, as I said, has had an approach and had a way of doing things, which was his way. But I don't think it's appropriate for the modern game. And I don't mean appropriate in a kind of behavioural sense, or well, maybe I do, but in a, in a sort of moralistic sense, maybe. I mean, just appropriate mm. in terms of how clubs move forward. You know, how, how, how do how do modern clubs operate? That's not what Raul Sanyehi did. It, and, and and listen, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit harsh, and and and, I'm, and I don't have all the information, of course. But they didn't feel like. You know the, the 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 sort of the ties with Kia, Tim Lewis, and uh, what's his name, Arturo Canales. The the situation with Tim Lewis coming in, all that stuff felt very shady. Him leaving, I don't know what he was doing, and I don't feel like it was good for the club, and I don't feel like it was good no. for a reputation. Um, no. And to have someone in there, li- li- you know, listen, the beginning of this podcast, this podcast name is something Rousey. Yeah, he said he's had an impact on the club, of course, right? But there is a there is a level of me that goes, I'm kind of glad we got rid of him when we did. Because I think the Daniel Levy's of the world, all those people, unless you are top of your game level football negotiator like Daniel Levy, I, I think I think that's not where the game's going. Daniel Levy's not a top negotiator either. Daniel Levy's just good at selling players. Well, 
because he refuses to sell them until he gets what he wants. And Which li- is good negotiation, really. A hundred percent, but in the sense of that's also, it, it's, it could be to the detriment in the sense of if you've got two years left on a contract and you're just, you're saying I'm getting a hundred million or nothing, and then you're down to one year left on a contract. There's, I think there's a lot of ways that Daniel Levy, the Daniel Levy kind of stuff works and then it doesn't. I've never looked at a, a Tottenham deal and gone, wow, that's a spectacular piece of business. You know, in the sense of that, and I, I, I don't do the same with Edu. I don't think yet there's been a, a real piece of business where I've gone, wow. You've, like, if we'd have gone out there and picked up Lautre Martinez this summer for 50 million quid, I'd, I'd, I'd have something to go, wow, that is a palpable piece of evidence that you. I think Erdegaard's have. not far off that. I think, yes, because Erdegaard. Madrid were in a situation where they really had to sell because they're trying to raise money for Mbappe, whether they're going to sign him on a free or or sign him on a permanent. Inter had already sold Lukaku and already sold Hakimi, which brought in £163 million. If we'd have gone to them and managed to get Lautaro out for £50 million or even £60 million, I look at that as phenomenal, a phenomenal piece of negotiation and business because you're getting a player out there who's for me, worth every penny, but at a time when the club don't need to sell and don't want to sell. Whereas with Erdegaard, Madrid needed to and wanted to sell. So I think it's I think that was a good piece of negotiation and a very, very good piece of business. I just don't think it's the level of what I would be describing as a real statement piece of you're phenomenal at your job. Um, and I think that those are very rare. It's very rare that you can look to a club's director because like, for example, you look at Chelsea's business this summer, everyone's lauding it as great pieces of business. But what they've done is they've just gone out and bought one player for exactly what the club asked for. That's not phenomenal negotiation. That's just having the money to kind of put up or shut up. So I I still think with with Edu, there's there's a few things, you know, I think that the Willian signing can't be f- kind of flitted away as he's not here now. He had a kind of irrevocable and lasting impact on the careers of Reese Nelson and Nicola Pepe to the real detriment of those two players last season. You think now we're having to try and reignite Nelson's career by sending him to Feyenoord for a year. We're now not sure whether we can use Pepe moving. You know, I no, think no, I'm not it, saying it's perfect. We, we would just be, saying overall no, it's good. Overall, it's it's good. The it's idea a five or a six. It's a five or a six because there's a few honkers in there. There's a few real, real bat like Cedric Suarez. We're now in a situation where we have four right backs at the club because we signed him on a four year deal after playing two or three games for us after that loan deal when we had. Chambers, we had Bellerin, we've got... Do you know what? There's an argument. Mate, Cedric Lenard, is the Tyassi. only right back at the club now. Because if, you, if you're looking at Chambers, as, you have players who can play at right back, but there's an argument that Cedric... Anyway, we're getting so direct. But those players but, yeah. that play at right back are, are better at playing right back than Cedric no, is. No, that, that is true. That is true. Look, I, I, I think when you're coming to assess Rausan Yehi, you have to look at what happened under his tenure. And mm. ultimately... The club There's went backwards. There's a few things that really bring the club into disrepute. The club went backwards. I'm not a fan of. It lost respect in the football world. Uh, we He appointed Unai Emery, who ended up being the wrong appointment. The the Ozil situation was not resolved. You know, there was, there was lots of there was lots of turmoil during that period. 
um, and the club regressed. And ultimately, he was the head of football and of the football both on, off the pitch, results-wise, style-wise, goes backwards. To me, you've you failed. And as much as there were probably, you know, a couple of things, yes, you know, the likes of Chiarantini, the likes of, you know, William Saliba, etc., probably are good pickups in the end. And Martelli's a great pickup, although I wonder how much Edu had to do with that over um, Sanyehi. Ultimately, the way he handled things, I think, probably means in the end he was a negative for Arsenal as much as we do love him on this podcast. He got some great players in for us. You know, his connections, I think, with Lille probably are the, are the thing that pushed the Gabriel deal through. Um, And he did some good... He did some good things for us in the same way that David Dean did some good things for us. But David Dean was the person that got kind of cronky involved with Arsenal in the first place. So how much blame do you lay at David mm. Dean's feet for that? Mm. So... Yes, 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 indeed. That was good. That was good. That was a good. That was good. I like this new format, Nathan. Thank do we you. Wanna, do we? Should, do you want? Do you want to throw out a, a spicy hot take for us to just not discuss and close on for the viewers to mull over till the next episode? We haven't got time. You can say it. I want to thank Nathan though. Nathan, thank yeah, you so thank much Nathan. for sending in your uh, your hot takes. Appreciate it very brilliant. much. It was brilliant. If you want to be on the next episode of Hot Takes, which will be in a couple of weeks' time, we've got other plans for podcasts. We've got uh, Hot Takes. I want to do player profiles. I want to do uh, sort of special type episodes and stuff, which might be a bit sort of pre-recorded and uh, a bit of fun. Uh, just trying to change the content, see what we can do. Then email thedifferentknock at gmail.com or tweet us at diffknock. Let us know, and you could be uh, on the show with your five statements with your hottest takes for... Takes. Uh, Brad's got a hot take he wants to say, which I'm not going to respond to because no, no, well, so I'll ridiculous. save that. I'll save that for the next episode. It's and so we'll, ridiculous. We'll discuss it. It's so. Ridiculous. It is crazy. Okay, Bradley, we just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. In what famous 1997 film was Arsenal's offside trap mocked? I haven't got the fucking foggiest clue. You were three for three, bad, 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 blad, bled, bread. It was the full Monty. The full was it the full Monty? It was the full Monty. Full Monty, also one of the weirdest theatre experiences of my life when I went to go see it with my mum when I was a teenager. So uh, that was uh, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back on it. Have I shown you what my mum... My mum sent me a text this morning, which was a picture of two tomatoes and then a little... I'll send it to you now on uh, on our little... On WhatsApp. Have a look at this. It's two tomatoes with another little tomato in the middle and it looks like a cock and balls. And my mum sent it to me saying, look what I found. And it's like a tiny little willy. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> That's such a mum thing to do. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> uh, the new question is, where did we sign Eduardo De Silva from? Where did Arsenal sign Eduardo De Silva from in 2007 before he had the I worst know. career ever? Uh, Oof. Proud pleasure. Absolutely. Always. Pleasure. Always. Uh, just want to close out with the information that uh, Emerson was in advanced talks with Arsenal before Arteta pulled out. Uh, so Arteta's done it again. He's done it again. 
He's done it. Dodged again. a bullet after one game. Let's yeah. draw conclusions. Uh, Tommy Asu's the best right back in the league. He's, as we said, he's, he's the next Cafu. Uh, Brad, pleasure as always. <laughs> always. Thanks as always for listening. Keep Thanks, a different guys. knock. If you fancy supporting the show, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash diff knock. Or if you fancy giving us one time support, buymeacoffee.com forward slash diff knock. We'd appreciate it very much. Thanks as always for listening. Keep it different knock. And we will see you later. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.